So what's Christmas all about? I'd like to start with a story. I want to tell you a story to try and answer that question. Chile's long tradition of mining developed further during the 20th century and has made the country the, country the world's top producer of copper. Sadly, an average of 34 miners per year since 2000 have died in accidents in Chile. At 1,400 hours local time on the 5th of August 2010, there was an explosion causing a rock fall in the San Jose mine in the Atacama Desert in northern Chile. When the cave-in occurred, there were two groups of workers in the mine. The group nearest the entrance escaped immediately without incident. A second group of 33 men was deep inside the mine. No one on the surface knew if they'd survived the disaster. The 33 men had survived. They tried to escape through the ventilation shaft system, but the ladders required by mining safety codes were missing. These shafts later became inaccessible due to ground movements and could not be used by the rescue teams. Louis Azua, the duty shift manager, recognized the gravity of the situation with his men underground and the difficulty involved in the potential rescue attempt. He gathered his men into, in a secure room called a refuge and organized them and their meager resources to ensure long-term survival. Experienced miners were sent out to assess the situation. Men with important skills were given key roles while numerous other message, uh, measures were taken to maximize the chances of surviving the disaster. Rescuers attempted to bypass the rockfall in the main entryway through alternative passages but found each route blocked by fallen rocks. The only option was to drill to try and make contact with any survivors. Eight exploratory boreholes, about 16 centimetres in diameter, were started in an attempt to find the miners. On the 19th of August, 14 days into the rescue operation, one of the probes reached a space where the miners were believed to be, but found no signs of life. On the 22nd of August, at 7.15 local time, the eighth borehole broke through into the mine. At a depth of 688 metres, it reached a ramp about 20 metres from an emergency shelter where it was thought the miners might have taken refuge. For days, the miners underground had heard drills approaching and had prepared notes which they attached to the drill bit with insulation tape when it poked into their space. The drilling engineers had thought they heard tapping on the drill bit, but they were surprised to discover the notes when the drill bit was pulled out, as the miners had survived for 17 days, much longer than anyone had expected. At 15.17 local time, President Pinera of Chile showed the media a note written on a piece of paper with a red marker that confirmed the miners had survived. In English, that note reads... We are well in the shelter, the 33. The words became the motto of the minor survival and rescue effort. A video link was made and the first grainy pictures from half a mile below appeared. Between the 30th of August and the 90th of September, three rescue boreholes began to be drilled to reach the miners, holes A, B and C. 
It was a long and slow process made more difficult by the extreme depth and out-of-date plans of the mine. On the 9th of October 2010, the second drill uh, drill hole, B, broke through to the miners' workshop. A rescue capsule had been made by the Chilean Navy, Phoenix 2, and this was tested for two days to ensure that it could pass up and down the newly completed shaft. On the 12th of October 2010, the rescue began in earnest at 23.20 local time with Manuel Gonzalez, a mine rescue specialist and father of four, bravely volunteering to be the first to make the descent to the trapped miners and the first human to test out the Phoenix 2 capsule. With remarkable speed and flawless execution, miner after miner climbed into the trapped cage deep below the ground. They were hoisted 2,000 feet through rock and saw the precious sunlight after the longest underground entrapment in history. At 69 days underground, it was the longest time anyone had survived, including two weeks when they were feared dead, and the miners emerged cheers from the exuberant Chileans above before the eyes of the entire world. That's the first one to come out. Scenes of jubilation erupted every time a miner arrived at the surface. The ninth one out... Mario Gomez was 63 and was the oldest miner down there. He came up, dropped to his knees, and bowed his head in prayer. His wife pulled him up and embraced him. Gomez had silicosis, a lung disease common to miners, and had been on antibiotics and bronchial inflammation medicine whilst trapped down in the mine. The rescue was a big success for the president, this Chilean president, Sebastian Pinera, who waited at the mouth of the rescue shaft to greet and hug every miner as they emerged. Welcome to life, he said to one. On a day of superlatives, it seemed no overstatement. The president paid tribute to the rescue team, saying they were so good, he even thought they could rescue us from Judgment Day. (laughs) At 21.56 local time, On the 13th of October, the last of the 33 miners was brought to the surface. He was Louis Azua, the duty shift supervisor and leader of the miners, who joked that it had been a very long shift at work. (laughs) In the capital, Santiago, a cacophony of motorist horns sounded. All news channels from North America to Europe and the Middle East carried live coverage. The 33 miners were closely followed by the rescue workers who had taken the capsule down to the mine to oversee the evacuation. The last man out was Manuel Gonzalez, the mine rescue specialist, who had been the first to be lowered down to the miners. He waved at the underground cameras, bowed, and offered up a prayer before clambering into the capsule for the last time and heading to the surface. There were scenes of jubilation as he emerged for the last time, as other rescue workers jokingly asked him if he turned out the lights. Why that story? Why should I start with that story to try and answer the question, what is Christmas really all about? Well, you could say it's about, from that story, maybe it's about hope or love or families being reunited. It could be any of those. But I'd like to suggest to you, for me, it's about one thing more than anything else. It's about rescue. Christmas 
is about rescue. We see it in this passage that Danny and Mary read to us. Four times it's mentioned. The word redeemed, which basically means rescuing slaves. And the one, probably the one that's most important of all, he raised up a horn of salvation to us. A horn of salvation. What's that? Well, it's poetic. It's a picture. It's, it's meant to try and capture our imagination and capture something. A horn is used by an animal like a rhino or a bull for fighting. A horn is a sign of strength and power. A horn of salvation is powerful salvation. God has sent an all-powerful rescuer. But it's more than that. We can imagine what horns are used for. Horns are used as musical instruments, particularly for the military. The horn is sounded and the cavalry charged to the rescue. And since it's Christmas, I thought, well, what better way to try and illustrate this than a movie? A good movie. So in a moment, we're going to watch, for all you Hobbit and Lord of the Rings fans, we're going to watch a little clip from the third of the Lord of the Rings movies, The Return of the King. It is the siege of a city called Minas Tirith. Its gates have never been breached until now. When the evil orc army have broken through and are rampaging through the city under orders to kill everyone they find. And this is what happens. I'm really sorry we need to leave it there. We could carry on watching, couldn't we? (laughs) But suffice to say, the good guys win. That's the most important thing, isn't it? The good guys win. I'd like to suggest to you that on that first Christmas, when baby Jesus makes his first cry in a stable in Bethlehem. A horn sounded in heaven. God was coming to the rescue. Christmas is all about God coming to the rescue. Rescuing people from their enemies, be it loneliness or despair or fear or rejection or pain or the destructive power of sin or even death. But it's also about rescuing people to something. Those miners, they were rescued from a grave half a mile under the ground. But they were also rescued to some things. They were rescued back to their families. And as the Chilean president said to one, they were rescued back to life. God also rescues us to something. And to try and illustrate this, I'd like to suggest that we're A bit like this. We're like an electric plug. We are made to connect. God has made us to connect with him. There's a verse hidden deep in the Old Testament. It's hidden away. And it says this, that God has put eternity in the hearts of people. It's like we've been made to connect with him. And if somehow, you know, we can take a moment when we can stop and really listen, then we can feel that need for connection. Christmas is all about God coming to rescue and making that connection with us again. 33 years after that first sound of the trumpet, 
when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the horn of heaven sounded again. This time, it wasn't for Christmas. It wasn't at Christmas. It was at Easter. And as Jesus breathed his last breath as he hung on the cross and died, the horn of heaven sounds again. This time, he didn't announce the coming of the rescuer. He announced victory instead. And God, in triumph, leant over from heaven and took hold of a curtain that hung in the temple of Jerusalem to signify separation between man and God. And he tore that curtain in two. Victory had been won. The rescue had happened and connection had been made. The horn of heaven sounds a note of invitation to people. You can come and find connection with God, connection that you were made to have. Christmas is really all about God coming as the rescuer, coming to you and me, coming to make connection. And as we finish and break bread in a moment, my question to you this Christmas and this morning is simple. Do you hear the horn of heaven?